0: This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack owned business that is your source for Delta 8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other med- medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20, livingrelief.com, living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. 8 7 4 your life All right folks we are back with another edition of the Red and White podcast. I'm your host Evan. here with the special guest guest Seth Varnador, the Daily Stampede. Check him out on YouTube, Varnador Films YouTube channel. He's got really good breakdowns of you know all sorts of intricacies of football. I was watching his breakdown of the UCLA. Hawaii game and Chip Kelly's offense, and it's super fascinating stuff. It's very educational if you guys want to learn. I was just sharing it with uh, our pod chat folks, and they're all asking me questions ask him this, ask him that. (laughs) So, Seth, thanks for joining us. Really want to, we really appreciate you taking your time. Want to get into UCF or USF? Uh oh. All right. (laughs) There you go. butchered that one I was I wrote down in my notes I was just watching y'all's live stream to to say thank you for not calling us North Carolina (laughs) and I just called you UCF I apologize USF (laughs) so I'm I'm the idiot here but anyway USF I want to get to it right off the bat how how are you guys feeling about Jeff Scott in year two year one kind of a a hot mess with COVID and all that stuff. Yeah. Year two, how are you guys feeling just straight off the top?
1: Well, I, I think most of the fan base is, is feeling pretty positive. The There seems to be a lot of a positive momentum around the program. They just raised enough money to kind of redo the locker rooms. Um, so that's been something that's brand new and they just announced that they're going to be uh, doing a groundbreaking for an indoor practice facility. So, there's a lot of positive momentum. One thing Jeff Scott's done a really good job of is everything off the field. He's done really well. He's recruited much better than the previous staff. He's done a really good job going out and talking to alumni and kind of getting the alumni base energized and raising money. Um, On the field, I think we all felt it was going to be a process just with the where the talent level was at kind of going off of Charlie Strong's last season. Uh, he's done a pretty good job to get the talent level turned around, but they're still going to need some time to kind of get this thing humming at, uh, at a really good clip.
0: So for the talent level, I'll jump to that. Who Are there any impact transfers or how did the portal affect you guys and you know, how, what was your recruiting class? Is there anybody that is going to be you know, on the field impacting early? that our fans should know about?
1: I think in terms of freshmen, uh, one kid that sticks out is um, a wide receiver, Jimmy Horn. Um, He was a kid that his quarterback, uh, his high school quarterback, Timmy McClain, you may see him as well. He's a really athletic guy with a big arm um, that Scott has said, well, they'll have packages for him, even though he's a true freshman because he's one of their better players. Uh, But Jimmy Horn is a guy that um, is a track guy really fast, got offers late from uh, some big P fives like Georgia came in really late on him with an offer and he ended up sticking with USF. So he was kind of one of their biggest recruiting wins of the last cycle. So you may see him at receiver, Jimmy Horn, Jr. Uh, he wears number five. And then they had, I think they had four or five D one transfers um, in the defensive backfield. So I, I think a lot of those guys are going to play, but they they're, they're going to have a pretty good rotation of, of transfers kind of back there. Um Guy from Miami, guy from uh, Auburn, uh, Kansas State, Rutgers—they—they uh, got—they got a bunch of guys in from uh, P5s back there. Um, but I think those kind of are probably going to be the biggest newcomers. Uh, there's there's a couple other guys that will probably play a good bit, but I think the biggest newcomers are going to be in that back end.
0: What, what sort of offense are you guys expecting to see from? Jeff Scott, and I guess he named Cade Fortin, the former North Carolina Mm -hmm. guy, quarterback. Um, What sort of offense are you expecting to run? So uh, when um, Charlie
1: Weiss Jr. is the offensive coordinator, um, him and Scott kind of uh, put their heads together last year and came up with something that is kind of a mix of what Scott was doing at Clemson, a mix of what Weiss was doing at FAU. Weiss was doing a lot of the RPO stuff at FAU. They brought a little bit of that last year, but they were last year. They were really poor at quarterback, um, and they weren't great at receiver either. They're kind of. I think the the coaching staff because they got one day of spring practice last year. I think they were still kind of feeling the roster out a little bit, but they've really uh, stepped up, and you've gotten some more bodies in at receiver as well. I should have mentioned that kind of on your previous question. Uh, they had two or three uh, guys transferring at receiver. So you're going to see – I think they're going to have four P5 receivers, guys that kind of play to that level. Um, and so you're, I think you're going to see a lot of three receiver sets, one tight end, one back. So a lot of 11 personnel running some RPO stuff, trying to go really fast, um, running zone and the run game, different stuff. And I think they're going to try to take some shots downfield because they have some guys this year that I think can separate. And Fortin um, was a really highly touted player coming out of high school, originally committed to Texas A&M. Uh, I think I read he was all set to go. He even had an apartment picked out. and He was ready to move oh, in, and then, then suddenly got fired. So man. then he went to North Carolina. That was his second choice, um, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners—that's their second choice as well, right? You guys are number one, <laughs> it's, so
0: it's very far down their list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, North Carolina was his second choice, and then Mac Brown got brought in his, the following year, and Mac Brown was kind of uh, had Sam Howell. You know, he kind of pegged him as his guy coming in. So Fortin left. So it's not a question of talent with him. A lot. Of it's a question of health, and and then if he can get that consistency. But he was a highly highly touted guy coming out of high school. So they've got some guys at the skill positions that can play. Um, for them, it's really going to be how good are they up front?
0: Yeah. So so before we get into the to the lines is Fortin. If I recall, we played him once in twenty eighteen. Yeah. I'm Not mistaken. He's he's not much of an RPO guy, is he? Or is or because he wasn't at the time, so I'm not sure if that's not an accurate it, representation of him.
1: I think he can. I don't know how dynamic he's going to be is if you use him as part of the run game. Yeah, I think he's a willing, he's a capable athlete, but he seems to be a guy that can make that quick decision where he's going to pull it and throw it in that part of kind of the RPO game where I'm. It's like triple option, but instead of pitching it back behind me, I'm throwing a slant down the field. Um, he's that. He seems to be that guy. We'll see. Now we haven't seen him much in a full game since he's been at USF. He got uh, he, he started out last year with COVID, uh, kind of fell behind on the depth chart, and then he finally got a chance to play and he got hurt. So we haven't seen a ton of him at USF. Um, I think he threw for like 276 or something like that when they when he played against North Carolina State. Um, but I think he threw a touchdown at a pick too. So. Uh, He's got some talent, and I think he'll fit the system. They really liked him. He he was kind of their hand-picked guy when they came in. I know this previous staff had some other guys that would have transferred in at quarterback because they were looking to bring one in. And and Jeff Scott was kind of like, no, this is my guy. I like this guy a lot and and decided to stick with Fortin. So he's kind of their hand-picked guy. So um, it's really going to be a make or break for him this year, I think, because McLean is a really talented freshman. They like him a lot, so – If Fortin falters, you may see a young guy get playing time this season.
0: That'll be interesting. I remember when we played North Carolina in 2018, and we knew that their quarterbacks were out and they were starting their third or fourth string um, true freshman at the time or redshirt freshman at the time. And everybody was licking their chops. And then we got into the game was like, this kid's not so bad. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. We, we beat him in overtime, but they put up a valiant effort. And he was better than I anticipated at that time. So I assume he's, he's a very capable quarterback.
1: Yeah, and they rave about um, – I kind of got – I bought his stock last year uh, just hearing the coaches talk about him. Weiss said he's like uh, one of the smartest players he's ever coached and that he picks things up really well. So they're really high on him. Uh, now he's got to go out and deliver it on the field, but they seem to be really, really high on him. His teammates seem to like him, talk about his great leadership. So I think USF fans feel like they got a good one. Uh, they're hoping they can keep him upright for the whole year, though.
0: So is, <laughs> you've hinted at it twice. Are the lines a concern for you? Of I think defensive lines?
1: I think the weakest two positions on the team prior to Scott coming in and even his first year, he was still kind of filtering it out their biggest problem. I thought they were not very good up front on either side of the ball, but they had a really, you, you, they couldn't make up for it with any kind of explosiveness on the outside. Right. They've kind of fixed that problem. So now the biggest issue is, is up front on both sides of the ball. The defensive line, they're a little bit smallish. Um, they're not, they don't have one of those just stud guys. When you look at their like, Roster in terms of talent And like talent by position group Defensive line is the lowest average 24-7 composite Position on the team uh, Then the offensive line They've had trouble the last few years uh, They've just not been great They've had flashes And this is a unit that's played together a lot now So a couple years ago They were playing a few young guys and Now those guys are juniors and seniors So you're hoping that cohesiveness And them kind of aging will kind of lead to better play, second year in the system, all that kind of stuff. But I think the big question marks for a lot of USF fans are the lines of scrimmage on both sides of the ball.
0: Who is your um, Who's your defensive coordinator, and what scheme is he running?
1: Glenn Spencer. He, um, he was at, with Weiss at FAU, uh, both under Lane Kiffin as the head coach. He has been, in the past, he's been kind of an odd front, really attacking style defense when he was at FAU, I think they led the country in turnovers and interceptions. Really aggressive attacking defense. Last year we didn't see a lot of that. Again, they did not have a spring practice. He's an older guy, I you know, maybe fifties and sixties, kinda older for for modern coaches really. He said he hated being on Zoom. We had a guy, we had a local guy come on here. He's like, I don't know what Zoom. You know, he was. He said Spencer so much. I don't know what this Zoom stuff is. So he had to put his whole defense in on on Zoom, which he barely knew how to operate. So I think we're going to see a lot more aggressive defense this year from them. They've got some pretty good athletes in the back end too, to play some more man coverage, be a little more aggressive. He was the linebackers coach last year. I think he's moved to the secondary. So. Mm-hmm. They should be able to do some more stuff. But I think you're going to see an aggressive, a lot of movement. This is what he did at FAU, and he was at Oklahoma State previously, and he'd done some of the similar stuff. You'll see some odd front, a lot of movement up front, a lot of blitzing, bringing guys from different places, playing aggressive. Um, And I know this week they talked about also mixing in some forefront, some even front stuff, um, because they think uh, NC State's going to line up and run the ball at them, so they want to be able to have uh, some heft up front to try to counteract that. But I, but I think – I would guess they're going to play aggressively and, and blitz and, and they're not going to sit back on their heels.
0: Okay. Are they going to play man on the outside?
1: They... I would think because one thing one thing you could tell from Scott, there wasn't much you could tell from the first year. You kind of got a little sense of how he wanted to play stylistically. But, I mean, there were games where they were starting walk-ons at linebacker because guys were out with COVID and injuries. It, yeah. it got pretty bad towards the end of the year. So you can't, you couldn't really tell exactly what the Jeff Scott blueprint is, but I one thing he was, he was aggressive a lot during the season, going for it on fourth down. Um, I don't think he's concerned. Uh, you, you know, it's kind of a school thought in coaching. Some guys, um, you know, I can be aggressive and maybe win and give myself the best chance to win, or I can be aggressive and get blown out, or I can be conservative. Maybe I get lucky, as things break my way, but I'm also not going to get killed, right? I think he's going to tend to be aggressive. So I think he understands coming to this game he's going to be a under, heavy underdog. I mean, we see it at the point spread. They're a heavy underdog. So I think they're going to play aggressive, and that will include defense, which I would imagine they'll play some man, uh, maybe load up the box, try to slow down the running game, and, and make a quarterback that hasn't played in a while try to beat him.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's about what we expect, I think, from both sides of it. I think for as state fans – Know Dave Doran's tendencies are to want to run the ball. And so if if they're going to definitely try to line up and run the ball straight away early, I mean, that's what he wants to do. We have two capable backs. I think our question mark is the offensive line. You know, it's, it was okay last year. It was serviceable. Mm-hmm. The depth and um, injuries took their toll on it. But there, there is some talent there. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how they re- how we react to that you know if, if <laughs> it's no surprise I'm pretty sure everybody knows what Dave Dorn wants to do so um, regarding USF what is one guy on offense that NC State fans need to know about outside of your quarterback
1: my my favorite receiver uh, last couple of years has been a kid named Latrell Williams he uh he wears number 8 he was a Tennessee transfer. He transferred in at Strong's last year. Uh, I, I knew a couple of coaches on staff. They said he was the best receiver on the roster, but they couldn't get him eligible. Last year, they didn't really have the quarterback play, but he showed flashes. I think he's a pretty good player, and he was gonna make some, he's going to have a chance to make some plays as a receiver. Uh, because I, I think wh- what tends to happen in USF the last couple of years is people realize that, They couldn't beat man coverage, so they'd give him man coverage and load up the box and wouldn't let him run, and now you can't beat man coverage, so uh, you can't pass either. I think if you get that kind of aggressive defense, Latrell Williams is a guy that can beat uh, that press and maybe make some big plays in the passing game. But they've got a few guys at receiver that we haven't seen before, Um, and those guys may be coming in to make some splash plays as well. Uh, but I, I, Latrell Williams is a guy, number eight at receiver, that, that I think is going to have a really good year for them, so he'd be a guy to be on the lookout
0: for. Same question. Defensively, who's the, who's the one guy we need to know?
1: So I, I think the best player on their defense, their, their, their strong point is linebacker. Uh, they got two pretty good ones. Antonio Greer is probably the most productive. He wears number five. He, uh, he's probably the most productive guy coming back on the defense. He's a really good player. One thing Strong left them with is he left them with two pretty good linebackers. Uh, Greer, number five, is probably the best player on the defense. And then number 11, Dwayne Boyles, he plays linebacker as well, but he's more of a hybrid type guy. But I think the best player on the defense is uh, Antonio Greer. Number five, you'll see him in the middle. He flies around. He's a pretty athletic guy. He gets all over the field. He's probably their best player on defense. Again, without seeing some of these guys have transferred into the back end.
0: I wanted to ask you about it. You, you guys said something in your live stream last night. Mm. USF and Thursday night records. Is that is is that stat accurate? That USF is six and eighteen on Thursday nights.
1: Yeah, it must have been Nathan. Uh, Nathan uh, pulled out our, our managing editor and probably uh biggest USF fan I know. He pulled that number out, so I'm <laughs> I'm going to trust that it's accurate. But there's yeah, there's <laughs> there's been some rough weeknight games. Is, uh, that, last...
0: is that competition level? Like, are they playing big games or is that just a weird Thursday night anomaly?
1: I, I think there's some of it that coming back from the Big East days, but I could think of a few games that I've since I've been covering the team the last couple of seasons that they played on weeknights and just got absolutely hammered by the likes of Temple. Uh, I think Tulsa was on a weeknight last year and just came in and whipped them. Wisconsin may have been a week night a few years ago where they came and just <laughs> drubbed them. So yeah. I don't it doesn't seem to be a, doesn't seem to be a good pattern for USF. Six and
0: eighteen. That's that'll be interesting one. that's a that's a tough combination because state usually does pretty well on Thursday nights. Yeah, yeah Thursday it's, Thursday weird, nights it's a real all. buzzsaw in, in terms of the game day. Overall this is a question that somebody asked me to ask you and I thought it was pretty good. As an outsider, when you hmm. think of our program, what do you think of, or what what is? Yeah, I'll leave it at that.
1: Well, I I don't I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. The first thing that comes to mind for me, because kind of when I was growing up, is Chuck Amato and the sunglasses. <laughs> that's one of the first things. Those teams were fun to watch. I yeah, um, oh yeah. Uh, that's kind of, but I, I don't I kind of think just solid program. You know, I, I I think you guys are always just a a pretty solid team, just from you know outside in. Um, think about some of the great quarterbacks that have come through, um, and, and some of the the great skill position players, especially early in the 2000s. That's, that's kind of what inter- That's kind of it is. interesting to ask that me.
0: question. People, you know, they. Some people will say Russell Wilson. You know that. You know things like that. Chuck. Nobody's ever said Chuck Amato. That's a. <laughs> that's a good one though. I yeah. like that. The sunglasses man. Right? spent some time in South Florida, yeah. So,
1: and then uh, the Holt, Holt brothers, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I. Really, yeah, there's been some studs rolling through there. You guys have got some good. You guys have had some really good players coming through. That's kind. Of, I think a, a lot of players. Yeah. Rivers, obviously, but. Um, yeah, I, I just think, and then just kind of looking at the program, the whole solid. And I, I don't know. I. Do you guys feel like you should be? Better as a program? Do you feel like it's like there's you guys on the precipice <laughs> of the next step?
0: Oh man! Or is it just is like
1: really... is it just like uh, you're kind of happy where 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 it is? I, that... I, it's so, you guys have been so solid in my eyes that it, it, it just feels like that next step is coming. Uh, it just hasn't quite happened yet.
0: You know, it's funny that we've been talking about that a lot this week because a couple reasons, right? Like Chuck showed us that. The potential is there. Like the fan base is there. The facilities there. The just the he, What you can do. I mean, he got us ten wins. He got you know, and he brought in some talent. And he brought us Rivers and Mario Williams and some of these other guys. And then, it, like you said, if you think about all the talent that State has had over the years, and then what they've gotten out of it, you're like, man, they just haven't gotten over the hump. You know, we've had a lot of really good players. But we haven't had really good teams, and the mm. reason why that's come up now is because this year is a, we think it's a really good team. We think they have everything they need to be successful, and if you can't do it this year and that was a question we asked earlier this week we said to to our fans is if you can go eight if if we if state finished eight and four, would you be happy and the early returns in that poll were like. Yes, and then eventually the nose won out, but it was a lot closer than I mm-hmm. want it to be, because Dave Dorn has been solid, but it's at some point you have to say, we, we've got to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Right, we keep getting here, but we're not going up one. And that that's kind of the message that we've been you know putting out there. He's done a really good job and, and the fact that we have raised those expectations so that eight wins is is okay. That's that's pretty damn good for us because historically we've just not been. That's you know that's a good year for us. But I think he's gotten to a point where it should be better, and he's had some missed opportunities and things like that. So yeah, I mean you're you're spot on there. Like they've been solid, they haven't been great, and they need to. Like this is an opportunity this year for this team to be really good. And, so. and I
1: I feel like it's always you watch it, and I don't know. I'm probably preaching the choir here. But I I feel like there's times where you watch them play. I, I the one game that comes springs to mind is it was a few years ago at FSU where they kind of went down there and and gave it to them pretty good yep. and and were just pulling out all kinds of awesome plays and and, and you're like oh this team is ready to kind of take that next step and then it just for whatever reason forced yeah <laughs> didn't quite happen and you're like man. Yeah. But, I don't know, to me, that's that's another, I, I kind of think, man, this is a program that looks, because I think football in the state of North Carolina in high school has seemed, is is pretty good, and it seems yeah. to be getting better. So, right. it, it seems like that base is kind of growing, that talent base, and then um, I think in the surrounding states, the football is getting better, too. Yeah. Um, as they pay coaches in high school more, but that's a that's like a whole different <laughs> thing. But like they, they pay they'll pay coaches, so you have really good coaches in in these areas that are developing players. So yeah. it seems like they're just kind of that could be an ascendant program. And I know, a lot of the national media guys love North Carolina State this year, but it doesn't seem like Vegas is really that's showing so that love. What is the what do you think's the disconnect there?
0: Uh, Bailey Hawkman, our previous yeah, quarterback. That. He was not very good.
1: So he skewed and, the numbers?
0: Yeah, but he was our, like, you know, if you look at the returning production numbers, we're bringing back 19 of 22 starters. Yeah. But our returning production is like middle of the pack because your, you know, quarterback who started eight games last year is not here anymore. But that, most of us believe that's a case of addition by subtraction. Yeah. And, you know, Devin Leary is. A better quarterback overall and better player. Yeah. He's gonna get more out of this offense. He gives you more options and more things you can do. So that I mean that's the only thing I can think of because the six and a half win total that we see in Vegas is is absurd. I would bet my house on it if I could. Like well, that's
1: what I've heard a bunch of national guys be like, That's a lock lock it is. There's <laughs> yeah. something that I'd be going over seven and a half, so it's a weird, weird disconnect um but, yeah, maybe it is a quarterback thing. I, that's, I remember hearing last year that I thought Leary was the better guy. So oh, yeah. he, you get yeah, him back. Is. So
0: Yeah, so that's the thing. I don't know what, what they come from, but assuming they're just looking at the numbers, everybody's returning, everybody, right? Every team's yeah. got a bunch of guys returning. I think the difference is we have quality guys returning. <laughs> you guys are
1: returning out. players from an actual good team.
0: <laughs> yeah right. We were, we're a team that won, you know, seven ACC games or went eight, eight and five or whatever it was, and should have should have been nine. Should have won the bowl game. But you know, we did our pod last night, and we have twelve guys that you know could be drafted, in like legit chances to be drafted. That that's pretty that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I think, and that's just the, that's just the upperclassmen. I mean, I'm sure there's more that we didn't factor in, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the Vegas line is. I think most people around us feel pretty good about this team. The the question marks being this will be the first year for us without uh, – or with the, with the staff in place, basically Dave got rid of everybody uh, in 20 – after 2019, and, you know, we didn't have a spring either. We had, mm-hmm. like, two practices. Didn't install anything last year, so they're running, you know, vanilla offense and all that. So – this being his best staff paired with talent-wise probably his best team or one of his best teams is very comparable. I think people feel pretty good about it. It's just a, the hesitation is, you know, are they going to take get over that hump? That over yeah. that hump that like you said that it's I love that perspective because it just reinforces our message that hey, we think we're a good program but we probably should be getting more out of what we have. I mean, if you think about all the guys that have come through and Yeah, Uh, you know, it's just I I could I could rant on that for hours, (laughs) and I probably I probably have. But um, yeah, go back to my question here. I lost my train there. Where are we at here? Oh, this is another good question. I thought if if USF could take one person from NC State's roster right now, put it on your roster, who would it be, and do you think that would change how you feel about your chances?
1: Yeah, I think they'd probably take a lineman on one of the, either side of the ball. So the be, probably the best lineman you've got, maybe the probably defensive tackle or somewhere in there would be uh, a real – I think maybe last year they could have gotten a really good one from you. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that would probably be the trouble spot is on the lines for them. I think yeah. they feel pretty good with their skill talent. Um, but I think if they could poach uh, a lineman from a really good school – they'd probably—that's probably the direction they'd go, and I—I I, I, it would obviously. I think it would help, um, especially up front on defense. They're, the, kind of the narrative is they're really small up front defensively. Um, mm. We'll see that guy they, you know, everybody puts on really good weight in the off season, right? Every, off, <laughs> no, nobody ever comes in. Oh, we had a terrible off season. The guys didn't lift they're, very hard. They didn't run. Um, right. So we'll, we'll see uh, Thursday night, but that's kind of the, the knock on the defensive front is they're not very big so uh, kind of a big space eater on the defensive line would probably be a pretty good uh, pretty good choice for this USF team
0: what how are you how are you feeling about this game and how was you and your uh, your peers feel about are they gonna cover 18 and a half are they gonna win are they you know how do they feel about this game
1: well I I think I, I picked I picked North Carolina State to cover. Um, I just it's it's so hard. The defense gave up so many points last year for USF. Um, Obviously, it was a weird year, but I think they gave over they were over might have been over thirty five points a game last year, and they were terrible on third downs. They they gave up like fifty percent of third downs. Um, I said on our on our live stream last night basically every offense they played turned into Alabama on third down <laughs> which is not not good, every single one so that's not great uh, so I, I'm I, I kind of need to see and I think I think those was gonna say it's gonna be good on offense so you're gonna play probably one of the better offenses you see all year game one I, I, I picked um, I, I think I said like 35 16 but like 38 17 I think would be something Um And again, I don't, that's kind of, we'll see on the offense as well. They, for a team that returns quite a few players, there's still a ton of question marks about how they're going to play. And because last year was so weird. Um, but, but I think North Carolina State covers, um, others have said they bet the house at USF will cover 18. I don't know. I'm, I'm on the other side of that. Um, it's really this is kind of this team's really an an enigma. We're not quite sure what we're going to see yet. We have an idea, uh, but we haven't got to see a lot of scrimmages or practices or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of it's we'll find out there. They haven't put out a depth chart yet. They said they're going to give it to the traveling media. <laughs> right. The traveling media will get it on Thursday. So luckily, we got a guy. Uh, that will be in attendance there that can sneak it to us so we can look at it before the game. But, uh, yeah, so we, I don't even know who's starting yet. So I, I can't really give a, a too much of an assessment. But I, I think – I would think North Carolina State would cover. I just think they're going to – they're going to be able to score enough points to kind of get that margin out there. It,
0: it, yeah, the, the depth chart thing was interesting that that came out today. We said we weren't going to do one either. I'm like, I mean – I can probably tell you who's going to be on the <laughs> yeah. too deep. Like it's, you're not really keeping secrets from especially
1: when you're returning 24. 19 at the start. I mean,
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's not a huge surprise who's yeah. going to be there, but whatever. Coaches like to play their games. Yeah. For um, USF, I'm looking at your schedule right now. How do you guys feel about? I mean, that looks like a pretty. Um, <laughs> it's not an easy schedule. How no. are you guys feeling that the season's going to play out as
1: a whole? So we we've been kind of looking at it in the prism of, like we spoke about earlier, kind of Vegas over unders. I right. think USF is at a three and a half or a three, right. depending on the book you use. We feel like an over, or a push on three is 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 fine. That's kind of mm-hmm. what we're thinking. Uh, I think I think personally, it's going to be four four wins is is, is kind of where they're at. Anything above that is gravy. Right. Um, as long as they don't kind of repeat. Last year, where they only beat an FCS opponent, and and had some games where they got totally outclassed. I think as long as you're seeing progress from that, the fans will be happy. But it's really about progress. Are they playing better? Are they getting better week to week? Kind of all the cliches of what fans that are fans of losing teams say. You know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're getting better. You know, but it's true. Like it, they've got a lot of young guys that are going to be playing. Yeah. It's really kind of. Last year, you know, we've had some guys call last year like year negative one of Jeff really Scott. Sure. Yeah. This is really year zero. This is really year zero because he's had, to, <laughs> like, because it, it was a it was in a bad place when he we came in. The roster was not in a great place talent wise. They've turned a lot of guys over, so he's really starting from scratch almost. Um, so he's going to have a lot of leeway, I think. But if, if they can get above four wins, I think you know everyone would be pretty happy if they went to a bowl game. Um. Somehow, you know, they might build a statue to Jeff Scott. So,
0: (laughs) So I'm gonna read the schedule off real quick for people. They come to Raleigh Thursday. They host. They host Florida. How'd you get that one? Uh, Mike the AD's
1: like he's he is the anti uh, Danny White. He's he's good with the two for one. (laughs) I think they got Alabama coming to Tampa in a few years. They got Notre Dame coming to Tampa in a few years. So he's done a pretty good job getting those he's, he's already doing a two for one and then I think these schools like they, they get to come play in Raymond James and a pro yeah. stadium and a really nice talent base where some recruits get to see him so it's kind of a win-win for both but but yeah I think Florida they a, a.
0: four to mm-hmm. a.m at BYU at SMU Tulsa temple at ECU Houston Cincinnati Tulane UCF I mean that's tough that's that's, there's not a lot of pushovers there. <laughs> no. It,
1: uh, All those teams are pretty good. Yeah, and it's kind of the the conference. The American is really jumbled up in the, the back right. half. Yeah. Um, so you, you, I think Temple is going to kind of be the worst team in the conference. So you feel mm-hmm. pretty good about a win there. You feel pretty good about a win against Florida A&M. And then you're just trying to sn- snake one from BYU, who – on a yeah. town ta- is not recruited great, and they, they kind of covered it up last year with some studs, but they've not been recruiting well. So their their talent level is going to go down, I think. And they didn't play anybody last year either. That's kind of a yeah. secret about them. They didn't, they didn't really play anybody good. So um, so we I don't know where they're going to be at. So you, you hope you got to get a win out of BYU, uh, Tulsa, um, ECU, maybe a Houston. I don't know. They're usually pretty talented. And right. Tulane, lane. If you can get two wins out of there, that gets you to four. Uh any more than maybe you can get up to five or six. But I think four is probably the ceiling. And I think a lot of fans would be pretty happy with four.
0: What I meant to ask you this earlier. What what's the one thing you're gonna look for, win or lose, takeaway from Thursday night that will make you feel okay about the outcome? So
1: I think win or lose, if they don't get just manhandled up front on both sides of the ball, you'd feel pretty good going into the rest of the season, going into the conference schedule. Um, last year, they opened with Citadel. Um, you know, it was kind of a whatever. Uh, but then the second game was Notre Dame, and they just it was not a fair fight. Notre Dame just pushed them around. They could have scored 70 points if they wanted to, just running the ball every play. So and then it was a similar thing with Wisconsin the year before. So I think you want to see that you can stand up a little bit on the line on both lines of scrimmages, and then um, generate some explosive plays on offense. If you can do that, generate some explosive plays, score some points, uh, and then you don't get totally manhandled, I think that will be. I think uh, most USF fans will be pretty pleased with that. It would be a good sign to going forward.
0: Yeah, unrelated to USF. Do you did you watch some of the games this past weekend other than UCLA Hawaii?
1: Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of them, not a ton. Uh, I tried to get one more round of golf in before uh, before the nice. real season kicks off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm glad I, I skipped out on uh, Illinois and Nebraska. From
0: <laughs> I was gonna ask you, Scott Frost getting fired? We ask everybody this one: Scott Frost getting fired? Scott's
1: I I gotten, mean, right? I well, I think these. Uh, I think they might be slipping some money to the incident related to get these charges to stick, so they can fire <laughs> him for cause. Don't have to pay that buyout. But I, I yeah, I, he's really. I mean, I think he's got one foot out the door right now, which is really tough for for a guy that uh, won a lot of games there as a player.
0: Yeah, isn't that? That's it's such a weird dynamic. But uh, they looked like a hot mess this past weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think all these. I think all the violations he committed. is like, "What? Are you serious? We used to do this when I played here. This is illegal. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we can't. Pra- we can't practice whenever
0: we want with our ninety-five walk-ons we have from the state of Nebraska. Yeah. So I mean, I, they they had extra practices. You think they would have been better than they were? <laughs>
1: yeah. I saw. I saw somebody uh, say the NCAA is going to drop the case after watching the game because obviously they weren't practicing. <laughs> so
0: that's exactly true. Well, Seth, I appreciate your insight for USF and I look forward to the game. I'm just I'm happy football is back. Yeah, regardless. man. And after Thursday night, I wish y'all all the best. I hope you go 10 and 1. My friend. I well, hope that'd be 10-1. great. But as always, check out check out Seth at Seth Varnador. Yeah. Right. I'll put all the links <clears throat> I'll put all links in the description. Varnador Films on YouTube, Daily Stampede. Is that all of them? Anyone anywhere else? Yeah,
1: and then uh, yeah, both those are the same on, on YouTube. Vanguard Films, Daily Stampede on YouTube, uh, Daily Stampede. I think it's Stampede SBN on Twitter. And if you guys are wanting to get a USF perspective during the game, we may be going. Uh, we may be doing halftime shows and post game shows on the live stream. That's awesome. So That's if awesome. if uh, if you want to see some people drown their sorrows, maybe after. Uh, <laughs> If you you want to indulge in the Schadenfreude, then uh, maybe you can come on over uh, to the I think it's Stampede SBN on Twitter. We'll be uh, I'll, live I'll be sure to put that there. in there
0: because I guarantee y'all's halftime show will be better than ACC Networks halftime show. Guarantee. That's
1: what, that's what we're banking on. Get some people that actually care about the teams that are playing, and and it's cool. We have fun. It's interactive. So if if you guys want to jump on and ask questions or taunt us and all that kind of stuff, it'll be we'll be good.
0: Yeah, make sure you get me that link, and I'll, I'll put it out there. I guarantee you'll get some people paying attention to you. Yeah, it'd be uh, awesome. Yeah. All right, Seth. Well, I appreciate your time, man. It was really good. I'm looking forward to this game. and yeah, wish you all the best.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Good luck this year.
0: Yeah, you too.